Right. Hello. Yes, I know. It's the start of a podcast and you just want to get straight into it. But if you like this podcast, chances are you're probably going to like other podcasts made by Lush. Such as Tiny Revolutions, a podcast in which Tiff Stevenson interviews comedians like Sarah Pascoe and Nish Kumar about how comedy can be a force for social change. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and chances are if you're listening to this, you're pretty good at the whole finding out where podcasts are thing. But as well as here, you can find podcasts by Lush on the Lush Player app. Okay, I'm done. Happy listening! The Blinders are one of the great young guitar bands that emerge in the UK at the moment, giving me great optimism about the form. The thrilling and firebrand live shows have been electrifying audiences up and down the country in the last year. And the debut album went into the top 20. Their political lyrics and the wide awake social conscious contrast sharply with bands from 10 years ago. In this interview, they talk about their band, their lyrics, and their stance. I think there's always been an urge to, uh, what sort of word I'm looking for? Uh, right, for the songs to be current uh, and for the songs not to be just address the same sort of current matters which, you know, people have addressed before. I suppose like writing, you know, stereotypes about love, for example, was always something that we sort of shied away from and that sort of felt like it wasn't really our territory. Um, so in terms of sort of socio-political sort of point of view of the band, that's just something that is naturally sort of, uh, we sort of naturally arrived at um, and then, yeah to try to hold a mirror up to, to what we see um, yeah. I mean can you, can you sort of uh, talk through some of the issues and ideas that you sing about um, I suppose that one of the um, one of the early songs actually when we moved to Manchester we wrote a song called which ended up being called Swine and that was about the homelessness in Manchester which was sort of not a, not a new thing for us but coming from Doncaster um it wasn't maybe much, much of an as, as much of an that's maybe fair, but going to Manchester was obviously so much more obvious um, and, and much more bigger issue. Um, so that was sort of one of the first maybe things moving to Manchester that we started um, writing about. And I suppose looking at the album, I suppose uh, Tom could touch on this as well. You know, when we started writing the album more, and when if you look at the album as a finished product, um, it's a much more broad theme. And I think talking about society in general and not sort of pinpointing one issue or one event, uh, but trying to talk about things in a more sort of systematic and uh, thematical sense. Yeah, we sort of um, accidentally fell into it, uh, what we you know, uh, eventually ended up writing about. Um, we had all these uh, songs that we had previously written, and then obviously everything built up to writing the, uh, or putting together the first album. Um, and we quickly realised that they were sort of, could be crowbarred into the, the same thematic sense. And that was because of what was going on at the time with um, the US election and, and the Brexit vote and, um, you know, just sort of horrifying stories on, on the news daily. It, it, it was hard not to um, sort of believe that you were a part of a, a failing world and, a, a, you know, failing society. So I think we then uh, mirrored that in the album. And, uh, you know, perhaps it, that's, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we, I think we don't really give any answers we just uh hold up a mirror if you like and that's probably a bad thing but uh, it's just what comes out no i think it's ideal i don't think i don't think anybody expects a band to come up with the answers to all society's problems but i think where rock and roll works best is either celebration 
of being alive or just throwing out question marks for other people to answer. Definitely. So, I mean, if you want to, I mean, if you've got to talk through, I mean, so it's not like each song's about a direct thing. I mean, that's so corny. You know, this one's about this, this one's about that. But, but is it, is it, are the themes like the eternal themes of questioning bounds? Is it the frustration, the alienation, just, just observational anger at what's there in front of you? I think observation is yeah. a big part of it, yeah. yeah. I think the sort of theme of power in general, I think, maybe was quite a big thing, you know, sort of um, maybe who holds power and how is power being used to maybe distort, you know, our lives or maybe oppress our lives or, you know, and how um, how are people maybe being manipulated by, you know, uh, people at the top being manipulated and how are they maybe using that to manipulate. Um, I suppose, you know, looking at the, you know, sort of the Trump campaigns, the Brexit campaigns, so you know the sort of the, the fake news world, I suppose. So that sort of became quite a big, a big sort of inspiration or a big sort of concern, if you like. Um, so again, you know, I suppose it's quite a big, you know, it's obviously a huge topic, you know, the topic of power, if you like. Um, but that obviously spreads in so many different directions and uh, raises so many questions in so many different situations. I mean, what? How old are you now? Is it twenty-one? What are your ages? It's slightly old. Is it twenty-one, twenty-two? 21, 22, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, for your generation, what, what, is it, what does the UK feel like? I mean, my generation, we've been through these battles over and over again. But what's it like looking at it from, from your age? I'm, I'm, I basically look at the mess that my generation has made of the world. Yeah, I think it feels the exact same, really. Um, all, our, all our lives, uh, or all our political lives, which is obviously from 18 years old when we are legally allowed to vote, um, everything's gone the other way to what we voted for, it feels like. And um, although it, you know, there is obviously a, uh, you know, something else going on here. There's a, a that feels like the majority of people our age vote this a, a very similar way to how we voted, and um, uh, we, we've never we've never um, uh, sort of seen any change here for the for the for the better for our generation. So there is clearly something else here that. Uh, is affecting this, and it's hard not to um, be slightly ageist on the uh, whole matter. Um, but when you talk about yourself, uh, then that just even raises more questions as to, you know, if if there was a. Uh, it's interesting the demographic we get in our audiences, and there are a lot of old punks who uh, still, you know, can resonate with the same uh, yeah. anger and frustration that we're feeling. So uh, it's uh, it's an interesting one. When you tr- being in a band is, is, I think, it's a perfect way of gauging what people feel. So as you go around the country and you you speak to a lot of people at the gigs, after gigs, before the gigs, what's the general vibe? Do people click in with what you're singing about, or are people very varied? Or you know, or, or, most most people are quite um, they're, they're, they're I think they're quite reluctant to talk about the politics of it. Um, because for some reason that's just um, uh, the, you know the type of of, of 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 vibe that people give off. But um, the people that do talk about it, um, uh, you know, are obviously uh, this is it means everything to them, and it, it sort of means everything to us. We can't see a uh, you know don't understand why pe- more people do not use a platform to talk about politics and to talk about reform and change and. Um, but that's that's just the general vibe that, that I sort of get. I mean, do you find, uh, do you think after like 
five, six decades of sort of waves of political pop, but it goes in and out. Do you find that people think maybe singing about it doesn't work or do you, or do you think it still really engages people? There's a way to get this message through somehow. Uh, well, I don't think that we ever saw ourselves, um, uh, you know, providing any change and maybe this is the problem, but um, just by talking and, and, and uh, giving conversation through music, surely that's better than you know, just uh, burying your head in the sand. I don't know, Charlie, what do you think? I suppose you know, what you come back to earlier, John, when you said, you know, about just asking questions, and I think maybe like you say we're not giving the answers or um, leading a movement in a, in a way in that sense, but by even, you know, providing a question and maybe someone listens to the lyrics and, you know, and, 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 and considers that question, maybe that's the sort of most, um, the most sort of difference you can maybe hope to have through the lyrics, you know. Um, I think especially when you talk about the shows as well, I think part of, um, people have to come to the shows and maybe get lost actually in the performance as well, which is sort of part of what we want to do as well, you know. Um, so maybe the actual gigs, you maybe don't get across the actual politics as much as what you maybe could or maybe what you should, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's obviously a lot of apathy around at the moment. But then you've also got to say, you know, we all often get mentioned, you know, alongside bands such as Idols, you know, and Shame. And, you know, there's a lot of other bands at the moment doing a similar sort of thing or trying to get a similar sort of message across. Um, so maybe there's a bit more of a, of a revival in that sense of bands willing to, to talk about these things again. Yeah, well, and I, I, it's interesting you mention those bands because I would argue this is, this is the best time for like politically socially engaged bands making really creative and interesting music. Since the punk period, you know, there's, there's, there's a whole raft of bands out there saying something, doing something. You know, it's kind of a measure, a reflection of how desperate these times are getting. Well, maybe that's just what it is. Maybe we're just in sort of uh, the worst times we've been since the sort of late seventies, eighties. You know, maybe, you know, maybe that's maybe that is why. Um, you know, I suppose I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I can kind of age off the band of the night or early sort of noughties, but I suppose there's maybe a bit more aspiration. Perhaps you know it's difficult to say because you wasn't really part of that generation, but it feels like you're sort of in a, a desperate time now and. Um, that's obviously always bleeding to art, doesn't it? You know. I mean, how, how much does do the lyrics play play into the music? Do they affect the way you make the music or think about the music? The lyrics will always, um, I mean, ninety percent of the time come first, um, and yeah, we absolutely play up to the lyrics. Uh, uh, I think the only reason why we are allowed to um, perform so largely out of our uh, sort of personal comfort zones is because we can. Um, not hide behind these lyrics, but use these lyrics to sort of ascend to this, uh, uh, you know, these sort of crazy and, and, and uh, eccentric performances that we've been now made known for, if you like. So uh, definitely the lyrics have a huge part to do with the music, and um, uh, in turn the music came from, from that, and the aggressiveness, the, uh, the darkness especially. I mean, how much uh, growing up in Doncaster inform you as people? Um, Doncaster was, uh, I mean, we've not been in Doncaster now for uh, four years, but uh, regardless, Doncaster was, uh, you know, a huge part in our lives. And, um, you know, we all had working class, uh, working class fathers, especially, um, who not necessarily, uh, uh, you know, would, would uh, place their political, uh, 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 sort of 
associations on us, but their their views definitely bled towards us. And you can't help but share those views because of uh, how Doncaster has evolved from the place it was in the 70s and 80s to the place it is uh, you know, now and, and since we've been growing up, um, which is, to be honest, you know, the, the life feels like it's almost been sucked out of it. So um, definitely on uh, songs such as Orbit um, on Columbia, that you know, always recalls us to imaginations of Doncaster. Um, but yeah, as people, I think it, it was the cornerstone for our political values, definitely. Um, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, we still come back here. So. And how much being in Manchester affects you? Because Manchester is an amazing city, and it's a very open city, a very progressive city, a very modern city, but it's, it's politically, it's, it's savvy, it's great. And is, does that sort of play into your mindset? I mean, what a great place to come to when you're 17, and did it really open your minds, or was it all you, or you're already open-minded, and that was just a, a, like an island of sanity to go and move to? Uh, I still think that, um, you know, places are uh, an environment, are, you know, completely paramount to, um, you know, learning and, and your views. And I mean, what, are we 21, 22? And so I don't, you know, imagine that, uh, you know, the, the mind stops there. So, uh, you know, we're completely open to, uh, um, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, Manchester was huge for us. And as you say, when you come over as a 17-year-old and, um, uh, suddenly you feel like you've had your eyes shut all your life. It's um, you know it really is a, a completely different world when you come from a a town uh, and then move to a you know a major city, especially a city which is almost the capital of the north. Um, but yeah, as, as we said earlier, the, one of the first things that we started to develop when we moved to Manchester was uh, you know uh, engaging on on political writing. At first, we'd always shied away from it. Um, and if it came as an accident, it came as an accident. But um, then we started to go out of our way to actually raise questions and raise views. And that was um, almost definitely to do with moving to Manchester and uh, seeing with our own eyes, uh, you know, a, a modern city. And when the band plays live, it's an incredible performance. It's really intense. But it's also very theatrical, you know, with the face paints, etc. I mean, what, what are the ideas behind you in that? Um, the face paint was, uh, you know, I don't think we've, we, we've never really discussed it as a band, so I don't really think we, we even know what it means, but, uh, I can tell you the first time we did it, it was, um, Deaf Institute for a, uh, you know, a, a particularly important gig and, uh, we wanted to do something different and, uh, frankly, we wanted to, you know, scare some people, if you like, so we <laughs> donned this face paint on and, um, it, it, you know, it just really worked. It just allowed, it allowed you know, you'd be, you'd be amazed as what you can um, sort of perform as and, 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 and become, if you like, just because your face is covered up with paint. And that then allowed, uh, you know, a character to blossom on stage as opposed to just singing these songs. And I think that's, uh, anyone does that uh, in their own uh, different way, but that's definitely our way to do it too. Um, uh, wear this paint and um, I imagine we want to move on for it uh, soon but for the time being you know that's just uh, how we get by on stage if you like yeah you it's hard to explain because you take on a persona you take on a persona basically definitely yeah yeah I mean it's interesting because 
modern British uh, indie bands, and it's, this is not really criticism because it's okay, but don't really, they're not this, there's a lack of flamboyance, you know, it's very, it's very dressed down, sports casual, etc. You've kind of gone the other way, haven't you? It's always been a flamboyant, sort of almost slight tinge of glam in the sense of what you do on the stage. Yeah, it is interesting that this sort of surge of, of um, like you say, dressing down and streetwear on stage. And I mean, uh, I can't relate to people wearing Adidas trainers on stage. But I was just fucking weird. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know the whole glam sort of flamboyance, as you say. It's uh, I imagine that comes from a lot of our key influences, such as Zeppelin, such as Bowie um, and uh, Floyd, for example, and uh, even some of the Peter Gabriel stuff. Um, you know, it's—I don't know—it just feels natural, and uh, yeah, I've never really thought about it too much. I mean, was that was that your background? They're interesting influences to mention. I guess that was uh, the parents' record collections. <laughs> Yeah, sort of. It, it was a mix of two, wouldn't you say, Charlie? It was, uh, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, those bands you referenced there were all kind of uh, artists got us introduced by his by his parents. Um, and then I suppose, uh, you know, we later sort of got into that, you know, that early sort of noughties indie scene. But um, some of his parents, I think, are still into now actually, and still sort of got to gigs and listen to the same sort of music. So for us, that sort of collective thing there, and obviously, then you sort of start knocking about don't you people you know like ourselves who listen to similar sort of music and we obviously expand your music taste but that original original sort of uh grounding in you know maybe the classics i often think this if you're 21 22 how, how do you create your own space with all this weight of rock history you know you're you're talking about the classics already i mean when i was growing up it was there but everyone used to rebel against etc but now the dead weight of rock history how do you how do you make a space in all that to to be yourselves? I think to be honest, um, I think when like, obviously when we sort of grew up, um, you could say like that being as a Zeppelin fan when you was maybe well, I don't know when we was at secondary school, uh, when it was probably it was quite as it you know it was as a, I suppose we didn't really have anything to musically to I suppose pop music is the you know you know the X factor in that kind of scene was the thing to develop in so. Those sort of bands were sort of welcomed by, I suppose, all of us. And that's quite fair. I mean, what about bands of your own generation? Was it was it gateway bands that made you realise that you didn't have to be from the seventies to make music? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Arctic Monkeys, I think, was um, sort of our uh, way into making our own music, if you like. Um, I think before we'd had an intense love for these classical rock bands, as you say, are in your your um, your mother and father's record collection, but um, when a contemporary uh, you know a contemporary band at the time such as Arctic Monkeys came about and um, you know really blew up, I think uh, anyone of our age and a, a little older would be um, you know they'd be slightly dishonest to themselves if they were not in some way influenced by um, Alex Turner's Arctic Monkeys. So uh, yeah, the kitchen sink lyricism and um, you know this just the uh, uh, classic indie lineup, I think, is very important for uh, the music that exists now. It's uh, you know borderline uh, indie punk, if you like, which is sure. an awful thing to say. It kind of makes my mouth feel dirty, but um, it, it, that's that's certainly what it feels like. I mean, yeah, I mean, was it the fact they also came from the north? They came from Sheffield. It's 
pretty close to where you grew up. This idea that you could actually come from there and make your own music and, and be a world beater as well. Yeah, I mean, I think at first we, we we tended to shy away from the relation with the Arctic Monkeys, probably because because that was the you know the only band that was doing something. And if you were from Sheffield or Doncaster or Leeds, you would then say, oh, well, they sound like the Arctic Monkeys. So I think um, you know, having now talked to you about this, we sort of start to realise why we went so. Uh, left field with all the performance. I think that was to completely reject the sort of typical um, uh, indie band, and uh, then comes the face paint, and comes the Cuban heels, and <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know the rest of the story. So. <laughs> it's interesting you took that route because most people would take the other routes, wouldn't they? But you know, you you almost took a route that makes life harder for yourself, but it worked, didn't it? Yeah, I think ever since I've been a kid, I've always craved for attention. So, yeah, maybe there's some serious, <laughs> some, of, some of that going on. Probably need to see a psychiatrist, to be honest. But, um, I mean, there you go. Once the Arctic Monkeys had opened a door for you and you realise, I mean, all those classic rock bands, of course, are great, Floyd, Zepp, the reason why they're classic is because they are classic. But once the Arctic Monkeys had opened the door, Absolutely. did you see there's a whole other world and of other bands out there, other influences? And and if so, what kind of bands were you kind of introduced to next? I think it was Charlie that had a lot of, uh, then took the next step and started putting bands on the on the plate, such as Nick Cave. And um, I mean, you can you can list a few bands, Chaz, that you know you sort of introduced us to. And... Um, yeah, I made Arcade Fire quite a big one. I made, um, I thought, yeah, the Bad Seed and then the sort of spin-offs I suppose from them, and um, I don't know off the top of your head the list of endless, isn't it? Um, you know, I think even trying to take influence from you know bands who would you know couldn't nothing really like us, bands like Radiohead, for example. Um, looking at the you know like looking at the ethos of great artists, you know people just want to kind of create and create and create. Um, so willing to, I think bands who are always willing to change is always a big influence. So you know. Yeah, because it's. Well, well, the great things about what you do musically, there is, it's got a dark edge to it. It's, there's a sparseness and a dark edge. So I guess I can sort of hear the bad seeds in there somewhere, but it's not obvious. It's in there. It's in the mix. So, I mean, were you drawn into more darker sounds? I think just given the nature of the lyrics that we were writing at the time, um, there had to be some sort of sound that could couple with that. Um, I think the witches who were on the scene at the time were um, quite heavily, uh, uh, we were certainly heavily influenced with guitar tones, um, and that then allowed us to explore that area. But, um, you know, naturally you you become attracted to an idea, and then, as you say, you you see your own world in that hole in the paper and just take a dive down it and see where it leads you, and Columbia is what we got out of it, really. So, I mean, with the current scene of really good bands that we talked about before, uh, what, what's what's your relationship with those bands? I mean, obviously you can lump all these bands together. They, they don't. I mean, it's a spurious nature of things, isn't it? Because the bands didn't plan all to be in a scene. They all came from different directions and ended up with the same audience, not even the same sound. But with these kind of bands, you play them sometimes. I mean, is it, is it quite a, a cosy relationship or is it quite a distant relationship? I think that uh, it, it still feels quite distant. Um unless you're label mates with other bands, you definitely still feel some sort of um, 
not rivalry, that's the wrong word, but, um, you know, you're certainly all um, sort of rubbing shoulders to try and... um, Yeah, yeah, so it's... I don't know. I mean, Cabbage were the ones who really took us under their wing and uh, we sort of owe uh, the start of our careers in Manchester to Cabbage uh, simply for just champion us as, uh, you know, uh, how they did so. Um, but I definitely think that uh, there is something going on at the moment, but not the same sort of scenes of the 60s where, you know, they'd all jump on each other's records. That's just because they were all rich and shared <laughs> the same drugs and stuff. <laughs> I mean, apart from Cabbage, is, is any of the bands you, you sort of have a close relationship with or, or an empathy with, whether well, you, you might not know them, but you feel they're working in the same kind of area? Yeah, I think Manchester naturally is uh, like that, especially, um, you know, I mean, we're musicians, if you like, so what we do from a day-to-day basis is write and watch and, and, you know, just uh, completely absorb ourselves in music. Uh, You know, the the reason why we're allowed to have such an extensive knowledge, if you like, of music is because all we do is listen to it, so... Um, but yeah, you, in Manchester you go to see all the local bands and you very quickly become friends with them. Um, so Manchester attracted bands such as Strange Bones, Avalanche Party, White Room, who are not necessarily from Manchester, but obviously it's a hub that you stop off at. And I think that was a, a huge part in in uh, our lives, if you like, with moving to Manchester. Everyone plays there, so naturally you have the opportunity to see almost every band. Um, and that was that was huge for us, I think. I mean, so, so you know, you don't get involved in any of these kind of Sleaford mods versus Idols kind of beefs. It's more about disparate acts, but it's good to feel some kind of unity there, right? Yeah, I don't, I, I can't relate to any, um, you know, a, a sort of uh, battles on Twitter and stuff like that. I just, uh, I, you know, I don't understand all of that. Um, as, you know, it's. Uh, I, I think that's just jealousy in a lot of uh, um, parts. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I just can't understand that. Yeah, yeah. Take, take it to the Tories, not not to each other, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so so where does it go next? Uh, you've got the old mount, you've established. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of a bit, it's a top 20 album, wasn't it? So it's a big level cult band. But, um, I'd imagine it went in uh, the the alternative. I think it was uh, top ten, and then I think we'd just gone shy of uh, fifty for the Billboard. So, but yeah, we were were incredibly uh, proud with what we achieved. So no, no, it's great. I mean, for the band in your kind of music, it's it's a big cult band now. Sell it, you'll sell out the Ritz, fifteen hundred in Manchester, great. But 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 I imagine you're more ambitious than that, aren't you? I think I get the feeling that with, with the message you've got. What you're trying to do with a live show as good as that, song as good as that, there's got to be more for the blinders, hasn't there? Absolutely. I don't think we have any intention of stopping there. And um, I think it's quite common with debut albums nowadays, as opposed to breaking the mold, if you like, or not breaking the mold, but uh, you know, shooting out to the stratosphere. Um, debut albums feel like it, 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 it gives yourself a platform and uh, allows yourself to like you say, establish yourself and, uh, you know, tell the world what you're about, I suppose. So um, you can only then develop from that. 
Um, I mean, it's nice to know that Dylan's album never sold any. Uh, Dylan's first album never sold any good, so uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. uh, comforting. If you... <laughs> I mean, when you say develop, uh, where you think you take? Have you, have you started working on new songs now? Is, is there a direction as well? So it feels like we're about halfway to three quarters of the way through finishing the material for the second album. Um, so we'll be ready to take it into the studio around autumn time this year. Um, so that's the initial plan. But we're very happy with the way that we're taking things. And um, a lot of this nowadays is just a waiting game because we don't have the opportunity to go into a studio tomorrow with a unlimited amount of money and an unlimited amount of time, which would be uh, amazing. But yeah, it doesn't work like that, does it? So no. uh, yeah, it's going to take a little time, but. Uh, I think we're we're ready to move on and, and uh, you know just progress as as musicians and artists. And musically and lyrically, um, what, it, have you got any sense of the direction it's going in, or is this still really early days? No, no. I think we. I mean, we never. Uh, we always say to ourselves, never try and set a theme. Allow it that thing to just come to you naturally. That's how it happened with Columbia, um, and so with this. Uh, things are starting to fall into place into a little more um, uh, personal aspects and, uh, and and characterized stories. So uh, we've sort of noticed that each song is developing a, a, a singular character with a, uh, some sort of um, twisted mindset. So, uh, yeah, very uh, Bad Seeds-esque um, uh, lyrically, but um, musically... Uh, uh, it's going to go two ways. I think it's going to be some of the same and uh, some that's progressed quite far into maybe, you know, the sort of, um, I don't know, it's hard to explain. I don't want to give away too much. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's cool. It's nice to know. Sounds like a good direction. Yeah, I think we're definitely uh, focused on, on the direction. We know where we're going with it. So it's just a matter of time, really, John. You have been listening to the John Robb Tapes with me, John Robb. Brought to you by Lush and Loud in the War. If you enjoy this, please retweet it and tell your mates. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you'll probably like other podcasts made by Lush. Maybe, potentially, hopefully. Definitely. You should tune in to the Lush podcast with me, Nilla Davies. And me, Olivia Graham. Available on iTunes. Like, link, subscribe. (laughs) 